You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. Here it is at Menento. It means to dwell, to remain in, to continue, or to stay. It carries the idea of permanence. It carries the idea of steadfast, steadfastly abiding with that which you had in the beginning, the gospel. But it also conveys a sense of intimacy. It conveys a sense of intimacy. We are intimate with the gospel, and therefore we are intimate with Jesus Christ. What does it mean to abide in the Lord? As you listen to today's message from Pastor Dave, he explains to you that to abide in the Lord is to remain steadfast in Him, to dwell richly with God, that there is an intimacy within your relationship with Him. Abide in the Lord, in His Word, and in His presence. He cares for you. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of 1 John chapter 2 as he begins his message, Let Truth Abide in You. You are So John now begins and he says in verse 24, the very first word is therefore. Well, because of everything that I just said, because of all the things that were happening in these, in these churches where these uh, worst ones were scattered to, because John was so concerned about it, he says, therefore, because of all of this, he says, therefore, and then he says, let that abide in you, which you have heard from the beginning. Let that abide in you, which you have heard from the beginning. It's interesting that the abide in the that is the truth of who Jesus is. The that that we abide in. When you first believed on the salvation and the truth of Jesus Christ, what did you believe? Well, you believed that he's God. You believed that he came to earth in the form of a man who was born of a woman. You believed that he suffered and died on a Roman cross, taking the sin of the world upon himself. You believed that he became the propitiation for your sin. You believed that he was buried. You believed that he rose again on the third day. And right now you believe that he's seated on the right hand of God the Father, waiting for the call to come back. That's what we believe. That's the basis of our beliefs. It's called the gospel. It's called the gospel. This was a declaration of faith that every one of us who raised our hand, who had been saved from zero to 40 plus years made. We made that profession of faith. I believe in that. I believe in God the Father. You know, heard the song? It's a great song. That's the gospel. It's called the good news. Regardless of what anyone tells you, the gospel has not lost its power. The gospel has not lost its power. It is still today the power of God to salvation for all who will believe. But there is another gospel being preached. In fact, there are several of them. So John is warning us today. He's warning them back several thousand years ago. And he's warning us today, be careful. Don't fall for another gospel. And you know what I call it when I hear that? I call it the gospel. Because it's not the gospel. 
oh, this Jesus thing is great, but you need this too. This Jesus thing is great, but you need this religion. You need to do this thing. You need to do that thing. And you know what? There's nothing new under the sun. Mark's been teaching about it now for the last year in Galatians, how the Judaizers went to the the cities in Galatia and telling them, you need to be circumcised. You need to follow the law of Moses if you want to be a Christian. This Jesus thing is great, but you need this stuff too. Bunk. Baloney. Not true. But there are other gospels out there. So John's warning us. He says, this was the beginning of your faith. And it should be the sustaining factor of your faith throughout the rest of your life until the Lord takes you home. It's what sustains us. Why? The gospel never changes. We should always abide in the truth and we should never depart from it. In fact, the gospel is simple. It is incredibly simple. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 15, just how simple the gospel is. Listen to this in verses, beginning of verse 1 of chapter 15. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, and in which you stand. See, so they're standing on the gospel message that Paul preached, by which you also were saved. They were saved by hearing the gospel. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. If you hold fast to the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain, for here it is. For I delivered to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. That's the gospel. See how simple it is? It is simple. Simple. And yet it's so profound. It is simple, but yet it is so profound that many of many great theologians are digging and digging and digging, and they really have a difficulty pulling out its riches. And I love what Martin Lloyd-Jones says about this. He says the gospel was, quote, open to all. The most respectable sinner has no more claim on it than the worst, unquote. The gospel is not presented to humanity as an argument against religious principles, The argument is not against the religious box. It's not some sort of heady philosophy. No. It is presented to you as fact. The gospel is truth. It is factual. It's based on certain events that actually happen. Certain events that are true. The gospel is based on true. One commentator said, quote, it's the based on all hopes fulfilled, and all realities experienced. And John uses one of his favorite words, abide. He says, abide. Here it is at Menento. It means to dwell, to remain in, to continue, or to stay. It carries the idea of permanence. It carries the idea of steadfast, steadfastly abiding with that which you had in the beginning, the gospel. But it also conveys a sense of intimacy. It conveys a sense of intimacy. We are intimate with the gospel, and therefore we are intimate with Jesus Christ, and that intimacy with Jesus Christ leads us to an intimacy with the Father. The word abide appears in the gospel of John all over the place. In fact, John's one of the only ones that uses that word abide. And you remember John 15, Abide in me and I in you. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you abide in me, you will bear much fruit. What does it mean to abide? We talked about it at length when we went over John 15. 
First of all, it must believe that Jesus is God's son. Remember Peter's great profession? Thou art the Christ, son of the living God. The Christ means anointed. The Christ means the Messiah. The Christ means God. Thou art God, come in the flesh, the son of the living God. That was Peter's profession. We must believe that Jesus is our Savior and that he went to a cross for you and you and you and you and me personally. We must believe that with all our heart. We must call him Lord. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. He must be Lord of your life. When you do that, you're well on your way to pass the previous test. Huh? Test? Too much teacher coming out in you, Dave. What do you mean test? So what were the tests? We studied them in chapters 1 and 2. Do you do what Jesus says? Do we love what Jesus loves? Do we pay attention to our spiritual growth? Do we refuse to love the world? Do we love the truth and are we willing to expose the lie? Do we continue to believe the gospel, the true word of God? You know, it is the word of God that provides the believer with spiritual nourishment, health, and life. Do we relate one to another with God's love? See, that's the test. Those are the things that John put forward in his epistle saying, do you do these things? Do you see these things as they are? I'm trying to get better at this. John says abiding in the truth brings forth God's promises. Oh, my. This book that we read, that we love so much, is full of the promises of God. Full of the promises of God just there for you, for the believer who's trusting and waiting for anyone to glean from it and pull that truth out in the time when you need that truth. It's there for you. Everything that you'll ever have to go through, everything in life that you might ever experience, everything that you know about, everything that's going on in the world is right here in this book. And you can glean from it God's truth about that thing and you can be encouraged. You can be strengthened and you can be built up and know that you can get through because God has your back. So he says this, if what you heard from the beginning abides in you, I'm at 24C, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he has promised us, eternal life. John not only wants his readers and us to realize what you have received through faith in Jesus Christ as the Son of God, but he wants you to have assurance that you've received it. He wants you to rest comfortably and know that if the Lord calls you home today, you have eternal life. If the Lord takes you out today, you are going to be with him forever. John wants you to know that. He wants you to have assurance that our faith leads to eternal life. He says, you can be sure of that today. You can know that today. You know, one of the major themes that John is writing about is fellowship. And not only fellowshipping one to another, but fellowshipping and abiding in Jesus Christ, fellowshipping with the Son and with the Father. And when we abide in Christ, we have this fellowship with Jesus. We have this fellowship with the Father. And we have the promise of eternal life. Did you hear what I said? Eternal life. How long is that, Dave? It's a long time, trust me. It's a long time. Who talked the most about eternal life in the Bible? Jesus is always a good answer in the Bible study, folks. Who, if, when we studied the Gospel of John... And we studied at length for several years. Remember? We went through it. I remember. We had a good time with it. Beginning in John 3, 
in verses 13 and 14 and 15, Jesus says, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. 336, 336, John writes, he who believes in the Son has everlasting life. There it is again. How about 524? 524, Jesus speaking, most assuredly I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life. You get the picture here, gang? Look at 17.3, 17.3, Jesus praying to the Father, and this is eternal life, that they may know you, Father, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Jesus spoke about this. Jesus spoke about it more than anybody. He made these promises. So think of it this way. When we abide in Jesus Christ the Son, we also abide in the Father. And while we're abiding in the Son and in the Father, we receive the life of Christ by the Holy Spirit. And we receive this, we have eternal life. This is a promise that, folks, you need to wrap your head around. I'll say it one more time. Eternal life. On Thursday... B and I went up to a, a memorial service for a dear friend of ours who had lost his mother that, that Sunday, last Sunday. And one of the things that Pastor Frank Ippolito said, he said that when, her name was Barbara, when Barbara closed her eyes that day and the Lord called her home, the next time she opened them, she was in the presence of Jesus. Wrap your head around that. Think about that. This was being said right here. That's what's being said. That's what we have. And I got to tell you this one thing. Brothers and sisters, my, my friends, my beloved. Use J. Vernon McGee's tale. My beloved. Eternal life doesn't begin when you pass away and enter the kingdom. For some of you, eternal life began over 40 years ago when you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. For those of you in the zero to five range, that's when eternal life began, when you accepted Christ as your Savior. That's when eternal life began. From that point on, you will never die. But John, John worried. John's got worryment. He's worried about us. He's worried that we might be seduced. He's worried that we might be deceived by the antichrists who are around because they deny the deity of Jesus Christ. And there are those today, preachers who have been teaching God's word for a long time, who are even, yes, denying the cross. I've heard them. So John says, all right, I'm going to admonish you. Oh, he's going to admonish you? Now, don't get crazy with the word admonishment. It just means he's going to give us a stern warning. He's going to give us a stern warning. Look at verse 26. These things I've written to you you concerning those who try to deceive you. John doesn't want anyone to be deceived, nor do I want any of you to be deceived. It shouldn't come to any surprise to any of us that there are those in the world who would try to pull you away, seduce you with fancy words, and deceive you even right now. There were people who've come to this church with brand new ideas, with all flashy things, with powerful words, trying to seek and pull others away. It's happened before. It will continue to happen again until the Lord comes home. I have something that they've never been revealed to anybody but me by the Lord, and I want to share it with you.
When Paul was writing to his beloved son, Timothy, in the faith, he wrote this in chapter 4, verse 1. Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from foods, which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. Nothing's changed. There's nothing new other than the sun, is there? These imposters come in and they offer you another gospel. They appeal to your itching ears. They appeal to our flesh, our old nature. Maybe we're lacking because some of the excitement that we had when we were first saved has waned. And things just aren't exciting as they used to be. And I'm not sure why, because God hasn't changed. God is still the same yesterday, today, and forever, but somehow we've, we've, we've gotten to the mundane and, and things seem to be going along. And I'm going to use the word plodding. But these people come in and they spot that in you. And they look for those who are disgruntled. They look for those who feel like they've been left out. They look for those who are upset. They look for those who may be overlooked or think they're overlooked. And they prey on you, P-R-E-Y. They prey on you. They seek you out. If you are young in the faith, if you're in that zero to five years, they'll prey on you also. Because how much could you know? Well, I got news for you. The day of salvation, you got everything you needed for life and godliness. These false teachers didn't even, not only left the fellowship, they left the faith. But their targets now are you. Their targets now are the body of Christ. They want to come back, and they want to take you from that intimate knowledge of Jesus. They want to take you from that truth of the gospel, and they want to lead you and seduce you into another gospel. We need to guard ourselves. We need to protect ourselves. We need to abide in Christ. We need to abide in the gospel. Your greatest source of safety? Stay close to the word of God. Stay close to Jesus Christ. Never let yourself be separated from Jesus Christ. Why? Because Jesus left heaven to save you. He came down to earth to save you, left the throne of God and all his beauty and all his glory to come to this place, earth, to save you and I. The world's broken, it's corrupt, it's disgusting, and Jesus leaves heaven for that. But according to to the false teacher, it was a tragic waste of time. Obviously, he may know the word of God, but he doesn't know the God of the word to think that that's a waste of time. He doesn't know anything about God's love. John says, you know better because you have the truth in you. These false teachers will point to a false Jesus, a false way to salvation. So we as believers must be constantly on guard, constantly aware that these false teachers are coming in and false teachers will be teaching you. And then John uses the word but. I love that. We always study that. But changes everything. And here he gives the confidence that we need to know to come against these false teachers. He's going to give us the confidence where we can stand against these false teachers one more time. He's going to use the exact same words he used last week. Verse 27. But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you. And you do not need that anyone teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true, 
and is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. The anointing we found out in John 2.20 was what? I was here last week. Thank you, Crystal. The Holy Spirit. (laughs) It was the Holy Spirit. The anointing means to abide. It means to remain. Jesus remains in us through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit uses the Word of God to teach us the truth. The Holy Spirit is the one who teaches us all truth. The Holy Spirit is our seal. He's our guarantee. He's our down payment. And he continually assures us that we are abiding in Christ. And when I get off kelter of abiding in Christ, it's the Holy Spirit who taps me on the shoulder and says, hey, get back here. And he chastises me and convicts me and helps me repent and come back to God. That same Holy Spirit that lives in me lives in you. It's no wonder that Paul confirmed it when he wrote all this in Romans 8.14. What does it mean? And you not need anyone to teach you. Well, we're all going to get up and leave, Dave. We don't need you to teach us. Well, you don't. It means the true Christian can spot lying antichrists. We don't need another teacher because the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, teaches us when we remain in Christ. When we remain in what Christ has already taught us. When we remain in the Holy Spirit. However... It does not negate the need for the office of teaching, the office of teacher, because Paul, writing to the Ephesian church, said these beautiful words in Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. You probably know them because I keep repeating them. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Why? For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So he didn't negate teachers and pastors and evangelists. But he said, you have the Holy Spirit in you. It means that the, the teacher, whomever stands at a podium like this and has God's word before them and preaches God's word, must, must, must be under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. That must mean. And the teacher must be submitting to the Holy Spirit to lead and guide the discussion through God's word. That's the teacher's job. But you also have a job. You also have a job. And your job, through the Holy Spirit, is to make sure that what is being said from this pulpit is true. How do you do that? I am really glad you asked. Great that you asked me. In Acts 17, Paul is coming from Thessalonica. And he's talking to the Bereans. He's talking to the Bereans. And this is what he had to say to the Bereans in Acts 17, 11. Talking about them, he says, these, the Bereans, were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica. Now, I have to tell you that in Thessalonica, he wrote that they received the word of God as it was the true word of God. So he loved Thessalonica. He thought they were great. But now he's saying, but these Bereans are even better than the Thessalonians. You are our time with you has come to an end today on a sure hope. But in our next edition, Pastor Dave Shank will continue teaching through the book of 1 John. In the meantime, you can listen to more teachings from this series online at assurehoperadio.com. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Just search for a sure hope and see the latest editions as soon as they're posted. 
If you're enjoying these teachings and would like to get more involved with the church behind this ministry, we'd love to meet you at Calvary Chapel, Cape May for a time of worship and Bible study. We meet weekly on Sundays at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. Feel free to give us a call for more information. Our number is 609-884-5821. Again, that's 609-884-5821. Otherwise, you can visit assurehoperadio.com for directions and more information. Perhaps you prefer email. If so, go ahead and email us with any questions at info at capewatchradio.com. You might be interested in knowing that for those who aren't able to come in person, we're streaming our services on Facebook Live and on YouTube. Just look for a link on our website at assurehoperadio.com. Thanks for listening to today's message in the book of 1 John. We look forward to the next time as Pastor Dave will share more things that God has put on his heart from this New Testament letter. But until then, we encourage you to read through the Bible on your own and be reminded of God and that He is a sure hope. If rescue.